Well, it's the last week before Christmas, uh, which is interesting because as uh, Mitchell was taking you through that little exercise of that, I'm sure some of you were feeling a little bit of the pressure. I, I think I hear uh, this being said more this week than actually after Christmas, because this week, this is when you start to feel all the pressure of maybe it's not going to be the best Christmas ever. Uh, do you find yourself saying this? It's got to be different next Christmas. Have you, have you found yourself saying that? Like maybe things like we've, we've got to decorate earlier next Christmas. It's got to be different. Or uh, uh, maybe it's something to the, uh, you know, uh, as you're trying to uh, figure out presents, like, you know, we're going to do presents different next year. Uh, we're going to be on a budget next year. We're going to spend less. We're going to spend more. Uh, you're thinking we're going to we're going to scale down next year. We're throwing away half our, our ornaments and your kids are like, oh, we're ramping up next year. We're going to have inflatables upon inflatables. They're going to be carrying inflatables, carrying other inflatables. It's going to be just a, a, just a, a magical Christmas next year. And you're thinking it's going to be different next year. It's got to be different next Christmas. If there's anything that happens at Christmas that kind of proves that Christmas is kind of out of our control, right? Christmas magnifies that sense that we want control, but we don't have the control that we actually desire. If there's anything that really magnifies it, it's kind of trying to orchestrate these moments. Uh, I'm not a grandparent yet, and I pray it will be a while till that happens, but um, I am a great uncle to three great kids and the newest addition uh, to our family. So as I'm watching my sister-in-law and brother-in-law kind of live vicariously through them, Marley is the newest addition uh, to the family and she is the cutest. I mean, you can't imagine I'm, I mean, look how cute she is. But if you want to kind of see how, how easy it is for you not to be able to control every moment and every, every instance in your life, you take a cute little girl like this and you do what? You put her on Santa's lap and you get something like this, right? The sweetest, cutest girl turns into this, this hot mess right there. I, 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 one of the youngest uh, uh, members of Beach Point Church is uh, Rocco Lewis. Now, if you ever come across Rocco, he, this is how Rocco looks all the time. He is always smiling. He is always laughing. He always makes you feel like you're the most important person in the room, unless you are who? Santa, right. Because get get. Stop touching me. Now, some of you are sharing your photos uh, at best Christmas ever, uh, uh, hashtag best Christmas ever BPC. And they're actually pretty funny. A lot of people, I know there's actually multiple uh, Santa photos that are making their way uh, to, the, to the, this. Uh, but we've been kind of laughing at and looking at this series called Best Christmas Ever, where we kind of try to create this image that we've got it all together. But if you pan out all the things that we kind of crop out, all the things we don't show you, we show you that our lives are messy. And as we're going to see today, our lives are, are not under the same kind of control as we wish we had. It's kind of a little bit uncontrollable. But I found that many, many things uh, in, in attempting to create the best Christmas ever, that it really magnifies my inability to have the kind of control I want to be able to have. So I start thinking of things like, uh, I think my wife and I have had this one uh, 
disagreement uh, more this month than all the months combined. I don't know if this. I like to have a sense of control of what's happening in the calendar. And we have had this, that was not on the calendar. We have said that to each other more times this month than I think all the months combined. Because someone's getting ready to go out somewhere or do something asking, why aren't you ready? What's going on? Hey, don't you remember we have this? And you're like, that was not on the calendar. I do not have to be merry and bright. I do. I am not being held to this standard by this. So the sense of trying to control the calendar or uh, those of you who are young parents, you're going to learn this, that a, a seasoned parent learns how to sit in the right uh, spot on the couch when the family gets together, where you can hide your hand behind a couch pillow to that kid that you don't know what their response will be when they get the gift that they're not anticipating. So your son is, you're hoping your son is going to get, he thinks he's going to get a, a new video game, but Aunt Mary has crocheted him a hand-knit sweater. And so when that box opens up, you give that pinch in just the right position where he knows he has to somehow give that appearance that this is exactly what I want. And it's good that you trade him this way because when you open your gift, guess what? Aunt Mary made you a matching sweater to go with his. And you better have that same response as well. All the ways I think about uh, trying to have this controllable future, all this desire I have to have a, a, a controllable future, all I learned is that uh, the more I try to control the future, the, more, the, the less control I have, uh, and that can create anxiety and stress and pressure, uh, a lot of different emotions. And I want to control the, the narrative of my life. I want to control actually the details of my life as much as I can, and I don't. And I repeat, I don't, I don't want anything or anyone to interrupt my plans. Am I alone on that? I don't think so. I, I want to have control over those things. And Christmas, the Christmas story reminds us that trying to have control is overrated. Uh, that instead we learn to give control over to the one who is able to do all things, who's, who's bigger than our plans and our lives. And it, as we look at the Christmas story today, we're going to see something. Here's the big idea we're going to see today is that sometimes God interrupts your plans with a blessing. Sometimes God interrupts your plans with a blessing. We all like to think that we have control, but all it takes is one good interruption to, uh, whether it's good or bad, to see and to remind us of the reality. We do not have the, the kind of control that we wish we had. Uh, but that's not entirely a bad thing. Instead of living under this illusion of control, we have the opportunity to see in the Christmas story that there is a God who does have control. And he's inviting us into, our, our, uh, into his life. And he sometimes interrupts our lives with blessings. He interrupts our lives with blessings, our plans with blessings. So I want you to see this in the, the story, uh, uh, the Christmas story found in Luke chapter one. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, let alone Christmas stories. But there's so much amazing stuff and the response is so incredible and it always challenges me. Every time I read this, I think I, I need to have this kind of heart. Uh, but as you're turning there in Luke one, uh, let me help you understand that Luke is trying to do something. He, he is trying to help us. Uh, he's going to take us into some detail into this story because it's important that we see more than just kind of the, the action of what's happening, but part of the process of how this is all happening. And uh, he takes us to this remote village called Nazareth. And Nazareth, maybe there was about 200 people that lived there at the time. And in this tiny little town, there was this young, poor girl. Uh, her name was Mary, and Mary was uh, uh, betrothed to, to Joseph. But, but if you think about this young uh, woman, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, Mary 
Mary saw herself as so insignificant. She's, a, she's this insignificant person in this insignificant town. To have some distinguished guest come visit her uh, was just never on her radar. But to find out that God was mindful of her, wow, that just absolutely blew her mind. And so let's uh, read this story together, uh, beginning in uh, verse 26. Uh, we read these words. That in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married, to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Luke does something uh, very interesting. He, he uh, brings two stories together. He wants us to see that there are two stories that are linked together. It's the story of John the Baptist and the story of Jesus. Their lives are linked together. And, and uh, in fact, as they grow up, John will precede Jesus. And uh, the week after Christmas, you'll get to hear more about this and, and how this is so important to how we prepare our hearts for Jesus and the work that he wants to do in our lives in the next year. Uh, but this unique way that Luke is drawing these stories together, there is this, uh, the way that uh, God is at work uh, with Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth and Zechariah had plans. Uh, they wanted to have kids, but they couldn't have kids. And so their plans adapted. They kind of gave themselves over that they were not going to ever have children. And then God interrupted their plans with a blessing, letting them know that they were going to have a son. Uh, in the same way as you heard last week, Pastor Ken shared that Mary and Joseph had plans. They were betrothed together. They had a legal binding commitment. They, had, they were joined. The only way to be separated would be with a certificate of divorce. They had plans. They had plans of how this was going to happen. They were going to have a wedding. Uh, they hadn't consummated the marriage. They hadn't uh, had a chance to really start this new life yet. But they had plans. And Luke is showing how it, with these simultaneous, these simultaneous stories that God is interrupting. Why? Because here's our big idea again. Sometimes God interrupts your plans with a blessing. Now it's interesting as we look at, at this whole thing as it's taking place, it's easy to kind of see and to say, well, yeah, life is unpredictable. Sometimes life gets interrupted. But, but what about when God is the one who interrupts your life? What about when, when God is the one who brings in kind of the disruption or the interruption? Because remember, think about this. This is not, uh, this story is not about uh, Mary and Joseph having one bad night. One, one date went wrong or anything like this. This is God interrupting, God bringing this. So how do we respond in this when this stuff happens? Now think about this. There's this uh, way of saying this that uh, uh, they say, the angel says to Mary, you are highly favored. You're blessed. There's a blessing that's coming that God's, God has, has favor. Mary's hearing this whole story and thinking to herself, while I might be favored with God, in this small little town, this is not going to bring favor. This is going to be scandalous in this tiny little town. 
And with Joseph, he is not going to be comfortable with what's going on. Uh, Maybe you could visit him as well and kind of give him a vision as well, because this is not going to go over well with him. And so we see this unique way. The way we dream of blessing and the way we see this kind of blessing taking place is very different, right? So let me ask you this question. Show of hands. Who wants to be blessed? Raise your hand if you want to be blessed, okay? I'm not offering it. I'm not going to like wave my coat or anything. I don't have that power. But right, every single hand went up, including mine. We all want blessing. And a lot of us, when we think of those words, when we think about blessing, we have in mind uh, security, comfort, uh, maybe uh, some kind of material blessing, wealth or, or prosperity or something that would just put us in a better position than we are now. And that's probably more of an American dream than what we see in Scripture Probably something that's more true to what we see to the idea of blessing is in Scripture. The idea of blessing is being in the will of God. Being in this place of the will of God, of kind of sensing and knowing you're doing what it is that God wants for you. I love the way that one writer says this. He says, says, the will of God is not an insurance plan. It's a dangerous plan. At the end of the day, the will of God is the glory of God. And I've discovered that in failure and success, in good times and in bad times, in life and death, that there is a way to glorify God, and that is to be in the will of God. Sometimes God interrupts your life with a blessing. He's inviting you into something that he wants to accomplish, some way to live inside his will, but it feels like an interruption, but it's a blessing in disguise. so here's something to understand about blessings. Here's, a, here's one of, another thing to write down is that blessings, the blessings of God are going to complicate your life. The blessings of God are going to complicate your life. Uh, Mark Buchanan writes, or Mark Batterson writes, uh, sin will complicate your life in negative ways, but the blessings of God will complicate your life in positive ways. Now, when Kim and I got married, life got complicated, And I thank God for 27 years of complications, right? Spouses, uh, marriage isn't the easiest thing, but it is a blessed thing. And it brings complication. We have three complications named Andrew, Trevor, and Rebecca. And I thank God every day for for the, the, the complicated blessings that they are. But think about this. Some of you are, are thinking whatever your job is, whatever your, your career aspirations are, whatever uh, college you want to go to, like you want to climb the ladder, right? You want to get those promotions. You want to take that next step. But those of you who have ever been uh, privileged to take that next step know that that blessing comes with complications, doesn't it? All of a sudden, there's a new pressure on you. I, I remember 10 years ago when I was invited, God interrupted my life and he invited me to do this and I thought, ah, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, the complications that come with this, this role, the, the decisions I have to make that no one else has to make, the, the pressure that I have to, that is, is put on my shoulders that isn't put on anyone else's shoulders. It is a blessing for sure. And every Sunday I thank God for it. I go in the morning and pray and just thank God for the privilege of what I get to do. But I know it comes with complications. It comes uh, bearing some weight. And so there's a a way that we see this whole idea of of being favored and and this blessing that God's bringing, but it's not really how we dream it up, right? We would dream it up this way, this elaborate proposal, uh, right? And you get uh, to have the destination wedding. You've picked out the dress, some elaborate honeymoon. That's how we want to dream it up. We don't dream up blessing this way. 
donkey ride for hundreds of miles. You show up at the place and there's no room. You got to sleep out back with all the animals. The only place to place the baby is in a feeding trough. Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to flee for your life as a refugee because uh, there's a threat against you from the current king and reigning king over this new king. That is not how we dream up blessing. None of us would say that's the blessing I want to sign up for. This is the blessing that God has in mind in this, in this moment. And Mary has been found with favor uh, in this. God's blessings are often blessings in disguise. And, and this is what we're seeing again, that sometimes that God wants to interrupt your plans by bringing a blessing, even if it's a blessing in disguise. But this is something I think Luke does very interesting. He, he doesn't just show us the invitation and the response. He shows us the struggle. Listen to Mary. She says, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Now, there's an interesting thing that he does. Luke cycles back to these two stories that he's linked together. But now he helps her see that they're not just two stories, but there's two miracles. And so he brings Mary into the miracle that your cousin, there's a miraculous. Remember how everyone thought she was barren. She would never have a child. She is six months pregnant with a child. God has been faithful. And anything that God says he wants to do, it will never fail. And so she's pressing and she's pressing and she's pressing on this. Here's the thing I want you to see is that no interruption is too big for God. No interruption is too big for God. No moment, no situation, no invitation from God is too big for him. God's plans never fail. Nothing is impossible with him. No moment is too big for him. And so God, what God wants to do can't be stopped. If God wants to be able to do it, he's going to do it. Now, it's very interesting. What Mary starts to do is something very interesting. She starts to kind of press on this a little bit. She's pressing through this and she's thinking through this. But she has been brought in. One of the things the angel does is he brings her into the story of God's people. Notice he's bringing her into the story that you are going to be a part of the great promises that were made to Jacob, the great promises that were made to David. And Mary's being brought into a story that is filled with these examples that no word from God will ever fail. She's being reminded of of these great stories of, of seas splitting and walls falling. She's being reminded of giants being slayed and, and the mouths of lions being shut. But she's also being reminded of some of the, uh, that not just do God's plans not fail, but particularly with some of the women that God has worked through. I mean, if you were just to think through the genealogy of Jesus, and if she's thinking through this story, and she's being brought into the story of God, that the story of Tamar and, and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba, all these women who went through these very, very difficult situations, that God showed himself to be faithful and good, that no plan he has would ever fail with them, that he was through this. And she's pressing through, pressing through. So I want you to think about this. How does this work for you? Have you been feeling maybe in the same way um, a nudge? Uh, Kind of like your heart is heavy for something. 
You, you feel like God is impressing something upon you. You can't really shake it. But you feel like, Mary, you're having kind of a similar thing that you're just kind of not sure this is going to work. Maybe you feel like your dreams, your thoughts, everything is being bombarded by the sense that God wants you to do something, but you can't get your head around how it's going to work. And you're thinking to yourself, you want me to do what? You, you want me to take this new job offer? But, but what if they fail? What if I fail? I kind of like my job now where there's security. You want me to do What? You want me to actually respond physically with an act of justice towards this thing that's just making me so upset on my inside? You want me to actually do something about it? What will my friends say? What will my family say? What will my church family say? People are going to think I'm crazy. People are going to think I'm a fanatic. People are going to think I'm out of my mind. You want me to do what? You want me to end this relationship? But it's Christmas time. I don't want to be alone at Christmas. I don't know how to be alone at Christmas. You want me to do what? You want me to invite this person to Christmas Eve? But they don't like you. And they don't like church, which means they probably don't like me and they probably don't like our church. Right? We find ourselves pressing, pressing, pressing on this. And it seems to me that Mary's doing a little bit of the same. And so it's very interesting when you look at some of the words that are built into this this, uh, idea uh, it's, we see that she's pondering, that she's wondering, that she's questioning. Uh, one interpretation could be that even that she's arguing with, with the angel over how this is all going to work. Have you ever had an argument with God? Have you ever had a chance to, to be able to say, I, look, I, I don't think this is, this is the right call. If you've ever had an argument with God, you have learned kind of this, kind of, I guess, this axiom about arguing with God. And it's this, is that if you win an argument with God, you lose. And if you lose an argument with God, you win, right? So take me back 10 years ago, man, I lost the argument. I, had, I remember the third week walking over here, Lord, what are you doing? I've never preached three weeks in a row. This is not a smart idea. Bill, no plan of mine ever fails. Just trust me. Just trust me. This is my plan. This is what I want to do. Just I need you to trust me. Don't try to figure it out. See, I want to figure out steps two, three, four, five before I've even taken step one. I want control. And Mary's pressing. She's pressing in this. And and maybe this is the point that we need to see is that the blessing that God wants to bring in our, our life is on the other side of losing an argument with God. That we need to simply finally lose the argument with God to allow his blessing, this interruption, this, this thing to take place that he is dreaming up. That we need to give in. I, I love the words of Philip Yancey, a brilliant writer. He says this, Often a work from God comes from two edges, great joy and great pain. And in the matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the personal cost. We want God on our terms. It doesn't work that way. We have to take him on his terms. And there's nothing about this moment in history that kind of says it all makes sense, but Mary responds in such an amazing way. She's willing to lose the argument with God. And notice how she responds. She responds with these words, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary says, I'm your servant. And there's this kind of heart of surrender. There's this heart of servanthood in her that says, look, I don't know how it's all going to work. And she certainly didn't know all those things that were going to take place. But Mary has this heart of servanthood. Maybe this is why God just knew she was just right. This heart of servanthood. And she says, I give up. I'm I'm not in charge. You're in charge. Servanthood says you're in control. I'm not in control. If this is what you want, I'm your servant. Your will be done. And this is how Mary responds. I trust you. I love this moment in scripture. It's one of my favorite moments because I want to have that same heart in me. I want to be able to say when God interrupts my plans, I am your servant. Let it be as you said, I am your servant. Whatever you want, I am your servant. Now let me pause for just a moment. I want to say something to the little, uh, to this group right here, because you guys are young and you're thinking, I want to be that too someday when I grow up, right? There might be that pressure. Maybe that's the thing, but here's my guess. Here's what I know. Brandon, I know, and I know Justin does this, but they keep telling you, no, you guys are being called to change the world now. God is inviting you and he's speaking into your life now and you need to listen because there's this way that God is calling you to say yes to his work. And I know your leaders do this too. They keep telling you, you guys can change the world. And you're like, okay, I will. Someday I'm gonna grow up, I'm gonna get a degree and I'm gonna change the world. So did you know this? That Mary is probably somewhere in your guys' age. She's probably a little older than some of you, probably right around the age of some of you, probably younger than than a few of you here. But those of you who are young, who are looking at this and maybe having your mind that this is for, this is the kind of thing I'll do one day when I grow up. This is a story written right for us here, right? That, That God is saying, folks, just like you, God could trust this biggest thing. Not only is she going to bring Uh, the son of God into the world. She has the responsibility of raising the son of man and she will care for him and cuddle him just like you do, Addie and Sammy, Brandon's kids. She has to do this with the son of God and change his diapers and raise him up and teach him the Bible and do all these things. It's fascinating. It's mind-blowing. And God trusts someone just like you with something that big, which is to say, do not wait, my my dear friends, do not wait to grow up to say yes when God wants to interrupt your life with a blessing. When we say you guys are important here at Beach Point, we don't say this just to trick you into coming and, and, and pumping our numbers up on Sunday attendance. We really believe this. We really do. That God wants to do amazing things through you. And so I hope you will hear that this morning. So here's a response. Young and not so young. Okay? Here's a response. Do you want to have the best Christmas ever? When God interrupts your plans, surrender. Surrender. When God interrupts your plans with a blessing, when God is willing to interrupt your plans, because in his mind he says, ah, favored one, blessed one, do I have something for you? And we want to push back, fight back, argue back, surrender. Because the blessing is on the other side of losing that argument surrender. When God says, hey, let's make it right today, surrender. When God says, whoa, 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 stop running from me, surrender. When God says, you know what? 
you should get involved in this church. I've got some good things in mind for you. Surrender. When God says, are you ready to begin a life with me? I'll pour my life into yours and you'll share your life with me now and forever. What do you think? Surrender. And when he says, hey, I know this is going to feel like an interruption, but trust me, favored one. Trust me. Surrender. Now, I love this response of Mary. I, I, I marvel at it, the servanthood. But what I found myself this year thinking more about was this. As much as I marvel at Mary's response and Joseph's response, which we saw last, year, last week, I am more and more being pulled into the, the bigger Christmas story, which is the servanthood of Jesus. The King of kings and Lord of lords who humbles himself the way he does. And I find myself looking into the manger and looking into the nativity scenes and saying, that's God himself taking on flesh, humbling himself, coming into this world on my behalf. If I need any convincing how much I matter to God, I only have to look into that that manger and see that baby, that God himself would do this for us. I think of Paul's words he writes in Philippians 2. He says, look, have the same mind as Jesus, who being in very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is who he is. And when his disciples said, hey, we want to be great, he said, no. In my kingdom, you give your life up. You become a servant because even I have become a servant. And in those last hours of his life, when he said, Father, if there's any other way, he ultimately prayed what? Not my will, but yours be done. As we close our time today, I want to just encourage you to think about this. Where is God interrupting your plans? Sometimes he interrupts your plans with a blessing. Where is he doing that in your life right now? Where do you need to lose an argument with God? Where is he inviting you to join him in something spectacular? Where do you need to respond? I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Let's take a moment. Let's bow together. Whatever the Lord is laying on your heart, where can you say to him, I am your servant?